This episode of Beyond Your Why is brought to you by our Why app. Head over to whyinstitute.com to take our free Why app and discover your why today. So today we're going to be talking again about the why better way. So if you remember, people whose why is better way, they're great at innovating. They're great at taking something that's already there and finding a better way to do it, improve upon it. And so this happens to be my why, so I understand it very, very well. But I got a great guest for you today. You're going to really like this guy. His name is Randy Davis. Now, Randy is my mentor. And he's mentored a lot of people that I know. Uh, he'll, he'll talk to you about that. He's mentored many, many people. And he's built and sold 18 different businesses throughout his career and is currently launching business number 19 in his quest to become the bootstrap billionaire. And he'll tell you about that. He went from bankrupt and homeless, living in a beat-up Volkswagen bug, subsisting on three crackers a day with peanut butter in his early days of roughing it to transforming his life, starting a new business, and becoming a multimillionaire in three years, and growing his prosperity to create an incredible life for his family, worthy of an Oscar-winning movie. Randy has worked with billionaires, mega-millionaires, celebrities, and world-famous business leaders during the past two decades, and prefers to really fly under the radar and be invisible to protect his current and former clients. As he discovered uh, from me, Randy is wired to challenge the status quo so he can find a better way and help improve people's lives. He's building his current business with the hopes of it thriving for the next 500 years and making a positive impact on 1 billion lives. Randy, welcome to my podcast. Hey, Gary, thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, that's quite an introduction. I love that. Can you, let's, let's just start by telling people a little bit about your story, because I didn't know that part about living in the Volkswagen bug. I used to have a bug. Uh, I loved it, and I, but I never did live in it, so that may have been the problem I had. Well, you know, if you lived in it, you'd love it even more, <laughs> I think, you know, but uh, no, I went through a, a situation. It was my first business that I had started, and uh, I confused abdication and delegation. And I had a gentleman that had worked for me for several years that I trusted. He did a great job. And then uh, he fell in love. And the person he fell in love with had a certain habit that required money. And uh, so he started doing some interesting things. And then he disappeared. And after he disappeared, I started getting phone calls. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I realized that I owed people money that I thought were paid. I tried to work it out, arrangement. Most would work with me. If you didn't, next thing you know, I'm bankrupt bankrupt and uh, then divorced. And uh, initially I didn't even have the Volkswagen uh, when that happened. I, I really lost everything. And uh, so there was a beat up Volkswagen that was for sale for $500. And I had to really work hard to get $500 to buy that Volkswagen. And uh, the problem, the tires were so bad that when I would drive them more often than not, I'd have a flat tire. And then mm -hmm. I'd have to wait until I could, uh, get some coin together to fix the, fix the tire. <laughs> so it's kind of a rough time. I, you know, I found a, a campground that uh, if I would go in and do some uh, chores for them uh, for a couple hours each evening, they would let me take a shower there. And I couldn't camp in the campground. I had to camp outside the campground, but I could come in and take a shower. 
And uh, so then I would buy uh, some crackers and I rationed them out. I had three soda crackers and two tablespoons of peanut butter. And uh, that's what that's what I did, you know, probably for about a month. And then I found uh, that a local hotel had happy hour where you could go in there and for 75 cents have a Coke or, uh, you know, some like a beer. And they would have tacos one night, pizzas another night. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the life that I lived back then. While wow. The new business. So how did you go from broke to figuring out a business to figuring out uh, a better way to live? Yeah. Well, the first thing I did, I, I was totally, uh, the, the emotions that I had from filing bankruptcy uh, was the darkest day in my life up to that point uh, because I felt like a huge failure. And I thought, you know, these people extended me credit based on their faith and confidence in me. And here I am declaring bankruptcy on them. I didn't want to, I was pushed into it. So I thought I have, even though I'm legally discharged uh, from owing that, I thought I need to repay it. And so I set out initially to try to figure out how to generate some quick, fast income uh, so I could pay the people back that I declared bankruptcy on. And uh, I thought, you know, I don't have anything. I don't have any assets. What, you know, what can I do? And so I thought, well, if I could uh, learn to sell life insurance, uh, that would, maybe I could earn some money. It doesn't require anything except my, my skill and, and, and work. Uh, and if I could learn to sell life insurance, which at that time I didn't like life insurance. And I thought life insurance people were like the scum of the earth, you know, but I since learned that there's actually some good, you know, good professionals as well. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I went to uh, my CPA and I asked him, I said, what kind of company would I have to represent after proper training to where, uh, it would have the kind of quality you would refer clients to not necessarily refer them to me, but what kind of company would it be? And he told me a couple of companies and, uh, they didn't want to hire me because I wasn't cut out to be a salesperson. I'm an introvert, thin skinned. I want everybody to like me. Uh, but I didn't really have a choice. So anyhow, to make a long story short. I convinced a company it's hundred percent commission. So uh, I had to go through three months of training without any compensation. And then if I sold something, I got paid. And if I didn't, I didn't get paid. And uh, just not from skill, but I thought, you know, if I lack the skill, all I have to do is work harder. And so if they said you need 10 appointments a week, uh, you know, then I would schedule 30 appointments a week. And if they said you need to be scheduled two weeks in advance, I'd schedule six weeks in advance. So I just, had a work ethic and yeah, I had to make phone calls and I didn't have any, I didn't have a telephone and, and uh, this was before the cell phone. And so I went to the pastor of my church and I, I asked him, I said, is there any older person that uh, could have some handyman work done, gutters clean, lawn uh, raked or whatever. And in exchange for that, I could use their phone to make local phone calls for one hour a night. And uh, he told me, uh, and so I went and, and that's what I did. I, I would do chores around this, this older lady's house. And then in exchange for that, I would go in and she let me use her phone for an hour and a half as long as it was local phone calls. And then I would, and I, I wanted to vomit every night that, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, I didn't want to do that stuff. But you know, when you're back against the wall, what are you going to do? So I make a, uh, I, I did get, did get the income up. I, I, I paid everybody back that I owed money. And I thought, wow, I just learned how to make really large income fast. Mm -hmm. So now I could use this as a way to create wealth for me. Uh, and I wasn't thinking about huge amounts of wealth. I just want financial security, financial independence, you know, have a million or two, you know. And uh, so then uh, I found a, a guy. I didn't know he was a mentor then, but uh, I didn't know what a mentor was. But he, he was the uh, – I, I went to several banks 
and I asked them, I said, can you give me a list of, of five self-made uh, wealthy individuals in the area? Because I want to talk to them to see what I need to do. And, and so that's, so I guess that's kind of finding a better way, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you see those little trends and, um, and, and so what I did, I, I noticed that uh, this one name showed up on every, every bank that I went to. And so I, I called him up and I asked him if I could come in and talk to him for a minute. And uh, so that was, that was a, a mentor that I had. And, and he told me, so, well, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to just earn an income and get this to where you're at. So then he talked to me about, uh, you know, leverage and, and what you need to do in terms of uh, uh, exponential results. And it's kind of neat. So uh, he bought me lunch. And uh, he, we walked down to McDonald's and, uh, we, <laughs> and, he went, and even though this guy was like the wealthiest guy in three counties, he, he still uses milk carts. So he got free milk when he went to McDonald's and he got his discounts. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's quite an experience there. But anyhow, I uh, then started uh, building a business and I was looking for something that would build residual revenue so I could work today and get paid on it many times in advance. And that's, that's how all that started. So what kind of business did you finally find that allowed you to have that? Yeah. Uh, what, what I did was that the, the business that I had that went bankrupt was a motorcycle repair and accessory store. Okay. So we, we did uh, retail, uh, independent retail, and then, and then service. So what I started to do um, after that was I, I developed uh, some racing parts for some motorcycles. I used to race professional motocross. And so I developed the, the part. I, so I, 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 my, my first degree was engineering. And uh, so I, I was, I, is a racing engineering company. And, uh, but, but the, the challenge there is the residual piece. You know, now since I created the, the, uh, I created some, some products that were pretty incredible and we, we started exporting them. We would, uh, I had someone that had exclusive rights for Europe, exclusive rights for Australia. So that, that was the first business. But then after I, I spoke to this uh, mentor, Paul, I, uh, I started a residential security business because then you, you can get involved in, in the monitoring of the security systems you're building reserve and it had a higher multiple if you ever decided you wanted to sell it. Um, so I did that and, uh, and, and that was, that would have been my third business then. So the first business was a racing engine development. And, and I got involved in, uh, I had a small manufacturing company because the parts, rather than farm them out, we, we wanted to control it. We started manufacturing the, the uh, components and uh, we made a lot of money uh, off of that. And uh, we were featured in a lot of national magazines and uh, the, the world champion uh, motocross, Roger DeCoster. Uh, he actually started using that product uh, on it and, we, we competed with the factories that had multi-million dollar budgets and we were the highest placed uh, independent racers internationally. You know, our, our teams, we would bring in guys and uh, pretty much we took on Goliath and we did really well. Oh, that's awesome. So you had motorcycles and you got into insurance? Uh, it did, did motorcycles and then that was the bankruptcy. Yep. And, and then I got into insurance to pay it back and yep. uh, I continued doing the insurance uh, because that was kind of a cash cow for me to get things moving. Yep. And then I did the racing engine. Um, and, uh, and then after we developed the racing engines, we, you know, the, the parts that we developed, uh, the Israeli government bought them from us for the, they had like disposable airplanes they used for reconnaissance and they put them in their engine. Uh, Mario Andretti bought them for his snowmobile racing team. And, uh, you know, wow. so that, that thing, it was fun. It was, it, that was a lot of fun. And we did, it wasn't like a, a home run. I mean, we made money and, and, and it did great. The uh, secu- residential security system 
was uh, the one that really launched it in terms of creating wealth. Ah, uh, and, and then so along, I, I was I was continuing do I was continuing doing the insurance uh, during that time period uh, for the cash until I got the, those other businesses up to where they were self-sustaining, and then I backed away from the insurance uh, piece. I I think I probably did the insurance for like four years. Okay, four years. What was the thing that finally got you over the level to where you started to really create wealth? Yeah, you know, uh, when I when I started, my goal was uh, to because um, I think I was earning like eight thousand dollars a year or something, and I thought, okay, if I could get to thirty thousand, I'm going to be pretty flush, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, we know better than that. And so then, when, then when I hit thirty thousand, I was like. Oh wow! If I, if I get to a hundred thousand, you know, it's gonna be, and uh, and then you get to a hundred thousand, and it's kind of like Parkinson's law, you know, it just keeps expanding. So uh, yeah, the the, uh, the residential security piece is is really the you know that's the one where I said that it became a multimillionaire, um, you know, in, in just a few years, and then what happened after that, I started seeing it through a different lens because I, I started looking and thinking, okay, well. well What's the difference between a person that's uh, uh, worth three million and a person that's worth fifty million? And so, you know, I didn't know this then, but after you've, uh, it, you know, it really helped me discover this. I, I realized that I'm just on this constant quest for finding a better way. And so it's like, okay, if I could do three million, how can I turn around and do fifty million? And then I started looking at models and looking at, at what's the the key characteristics for people to do that. Um, you know, my son. My son didn't know anything at all about the work that you and I've done and, and about you pointing out the, the better way. And uh, th- this is my, my, uh, uh, my oldest son, which he's a young adult. And so we were having a conversation, I think probably two or three years ago. And uh, I was asking him for, I said, can you pick one word, one adjective do you think that uh, would be, because my mind was thinking about from a work standpoint. And he said, well, dad, he says, I don't know that I can give you one word. But he said, what I would say is better way. <laughs> he, says, he says, you can't help yourself. He said, we're on a canoe trip up in Canada and you're showing us a better way to set to camp. You're showing us a better way for the route. And he didn't know anything at all about the work we're doing. And so now that I know it and I look back hindsight 2020, I mean, when I did the security system, I didn't have any money. So if you look at how I was able to pull that off and get a marketing campaign, I, I ended up getting uh, well over a hundred thousand dollars worth of advertising in the first year. And I didn't pay one penny for it. And it's from wow. discovering a better way to do it. Yep. So thank you for helping me uh, connect those <laughs> dots, Gary. Uh, it just keeps yeah. showing up, huh? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. You know, when I look back on it, and uh, and, it, and it really does. So then I, uh, you know, I had business where, uh, like a dry cleaning business that was in trouble, and we kind of turned that around, and that one uh, generated a huge amount of money. Um, had a publishing company that, uh, like the different school programs, uh, that you'd have for the athletics. So we did that. Uh, you know, I actually had a, a outdoor guide service where we take people on wilderness trips and whitewater rafting and, and, uh, up into Canada. So I had, uh, you know, a lot of different businesses, manufacturing, retail, distribution, exporting. And, and so it's kind of the culmination. Like I, I would build a business with the idea of keeping it because to me, it's just a, just something I'm passionate about. Um, and then, you know, we would have really great people. We would have great sales. We'd have great profits. There would be the sustainability of it. People would want to buy it. And I'd say, no, I don't want to sell it. And then later they wanted to buy it. No, I don't want to sell it. And the price would go up to where you look at it and think, man, I'd be foolish not to sell it. 
Mm-hmm. And I get excited from the, the startup phase. I mean, like what I'm doing right now, I kind of forgot about some of the pain of the startup of doing all these things, <laughs> having a team, but, uh, but I love it. So, and each time I did, it had more success and then I would invest that. And then I had to learn a better way to invest because I realized that the way the industry, you know, I mean, I'm not interested in mediocrity. I cannot stand mediocrity in terms of, I can have temporary moments of mediocrity, like building a business and you're seeing me go through moments of mediocrity right now, but those are temporary and then, yeah. and then you know, it goes up. So, yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting about better way people is that we, we catalog all these better way things as we go along in life. Uh, yeah. Oh, I see that's better. Oh, I see that's better. And it's like we have a big file cabinet filled with all these better way things. And then we can take them out when we need them and use them in other areas. It's called associating. We take from one industry and use it in another. And I see you've done that over and over and over. Oh, you know, I, that's, that's what I've often felt was kind of like my, my secret sauce was that I borrow ideas from another industry, bring them into the industry that I'm doing right now. And, uh, you know, I, I just really, really love doing that. So, yeah, and you're right, that cataloging, that, that's part of why with the Bootstrap Billionaire, see, I, I can't take anything from the past that I've had. I can't take relationships. I can't take any resources. The only thing I can take is my experience and, yep. and, taking, and taking that toolbox that you just described and pulling tools out from the past to build and go forward. And that's, that's why I know that I'll, I'll hit that billion dollars uh, in less than seven years. Yeah, so tell, tell the listeners, what are you doing? What is this Bootstrap Billionaire thing? Yeah, after I sold my last business, which – that that particular business I earned more off of than any all the others combined. You know, I mean, it was just like uh, so. I, I guess that's a sign of progress, right? <laughs> if yeah. you sell, sell your last one, but I took a sabbatical because I thought, man, what do I want to do now? Because I don't want to just sit back and twiddle my thumbs. I truly believe in in trying to m- make a contribution to to the people, and, and and you know, we have such a gift of life here to give back. And so I think in terms of like 25 years uh, at that point of like, what do I want to do over the next 25 years that can really make an impact and that I can have fun doing, that I get excited about doing, that I get, you know, out of bed in the morning and my adrenaline's cranking and I can't wait to go. And so I was, I, I was trying to find different things, Gary, and uh, I would get excited for like two weeks and then it'd flame out. And then I'd find something else. I'd get excited for a couple of weeks and it'd flame out. So what I ultimately did that didn't flame out was come up with a concept called the bootstrap billionaire. And I thought, okay, so, you know, we gave away most of the money uh, because that was part of our goal to to give away for uh, some research in the medical world. And, but we kept enough to be, you know, well off. And uh, I thought, what if we took that money and had it sequestered where we couldn't get access to it? You know, what if my attorney could take it, put it in a trust and then can't have it? In, uh, for 10 years, unless there's like, uh, I die or a catastrophic health situation, you know, where you, that money's a difference between life and death of the family. So that money was sequestered. And then I can't, could not go back to any relationships I had in the past because what I wanted to do was I wanted to try to take all the excuses that I've heard entrepreneurs make of why they can't do something really big and still have a great life while they're doing it. And I tried to recreate all those scenarios. So it's like, you know, where I would have had things paid off, all of a sudden I have a mortgage that I didn't have before. Um, and I can't have access to anything. So when January rolled around, I had zero income and I had to start from scratch with brand new relationships and build up some income. And uh, my family was behind me on that, uh, in theory, 
<laughs> when we first started talking. But after after the first couple of months, they thought I was crazy because uh, it, it took me a little longer to get it moving than I'd planned uh, because I I discounted the the momentum that I had previously. I mean, I know about the momentum and the importance, but I, I discounted. So so the bottom line is I have zero assets. I cannot use former relationships. Um, had to start with zero income and I have to restrict myself to working 30 hours a week and taking 12 weeks off on vacation, totally unplugged from the business and then go from zero to more than $1 billion in seven years. And that's, that's what the bootstrap. And then once I do it, uh, I'll write a book on it. And, uh, and, and the purpose of writing the book is to teach entrepreneurs that you can build something really big and you could have a balanced multidimensional life where, your kids love you, you know, you, you, you have, have, you know, your, your life partner loves you. You have great friends. You're able to enjoy adventures and play. You're not a workaholic and, and where no one wants to be around you and uh, you can give back to the community as well. So that's, that's kind of what it's all about. And so you're right in the midst of watching that happen. Yes, I am. So you're showing entrepreneurs a better way to reach their goals without all of the trauma that's normally associated with it, where they can't contribute to other things because they're so focused on themselves. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. The vast majority of business owners, uh, I, I can't remember the exact statistic on it, but it's something like 70% or so will end up getting divorced within three years of selling their business. And it's, and, and they, they say it's because they spent so much of their time focused on the business they really lost touch with their spouse and their kids and the spouse really was miserable and didn't feel like they had a, had a, had a life partner and, but they didn't know what to do about it. And so then when there was a price tag put on that business and it was valued and they say, okay, well, I'm going to get half of that for all my pain and suffering over the last 20 years. And then their net worth drops, you know, so you, you have that situation or you have the more successful you become. If you don't structure it properly, you're going to become, held hostage. You, you'll be in bondage to your success. And the more success you get, you can't get away from it. And so I'm trying to show people that, yes, you could build success and still have the freedom to get out and enjoy life. And, and you know, I, I, you shouldn't have to work more than 40 hours a week to achieve your goals. And if that's the case, you have the wrong systems in place. You, you're, you're, you're working on the wrong priorities. You have the wrong team, things like that. So how did you get in? How did you get from building your businesses and building businesses to coaching and mentoring and helping others? Because I know your company before this, the um, strategic millionaire, you mentored quite a few people. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Um, when I did that one, it was because uh, it, you build, a, I, I call it an auto biz. And when you build an auto biz and you do it properly, uh, it's something to where you have a great team doing the work and you can work as much as you want in the business, but it's not required because there's someone else that's going to be doing what you would typically do. So you're not pulling levers. Right. And um, so by building a business like that, I wasn't needed. And so then I get bored and that's how I got involved with celebrities to begin with is I got bored. So I would, uh, call somebody up just to see if I can get a hold of them, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, and then one thing led to another. Uh, so, so then what happened was I knew that I enjoyed helping business owners and I saw uh, my wife and I were driving down uh, a highway one day, uh, Southern Indiana coming from Tennessee. We were driving back up to Illinois and I was noticing all these different businesses that used to be there that were closed. And then her comment was, wow, look at all those dreams that got snuffed. 
And that started, that weighed heavy on me. And I thought, boy, oh boy, you know, it's like, I believe that being a business owner is the greatest thing you can do. I believe that most of the world's problems can be solved by creative business owners and entrepreneurs. I think it's a noble group and I'm just getting chills thinking about it right now. You know, mm-hmm. and I thought I've got to help. I've got to help that group because there's not a reason for that many dreams to be snuffed in terms of the entrepreneurial dream. And so I, I started this program called Strategic Millionaire. And the purpose was to work with just uh, solopreneurs, helping them build a team and, uh, and and help them become wealthy, become a multimillionaire in, in three years or less. But really, it's all about them having freedom and being able to enjoy life and make a contribution. And so that, that worked out great. And, and I ran that for like 10 years and everybody loved it. When I decided to go ahead and shut it down, uh, they were most of them were temporarily upset with me because they didn't want me to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still friends. They've all come back around where, you know, we, we interact and, and stuff as far as, but, um, uh, yeah. So, so I did that because it just, that was a way for me to give back. I thought, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in life, lots of them, you know, right now we're just talking about the, the high points, but for every high point, I can tell you a lot of, <laughs> a lot of dumb things that I've done, uh, just in the program, what I've been doing this year, since you've been involved with this, this one program, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've done wrong there that I knew before I did them. And I, it was like I gravitated back into that, that old way. Um, so that's what happened. And then when I was doing the sabbatical, I realized that I just, I crave being around ambitious business owners slash entrepreneurs. I, I just, that is so energizing for me to be around them. And then, but I thought, you know, there's so many developments out in the marketplace now, Gary, that I don't know that I could add any value because back when I was doing that other program, there were you know, now I'm seeing books written on what I was teaching back then. I'm seeing online courses on what I did back then. Right. Um, so I, I, I was attending an event where people paid $10,000 to go to that event for two days. And, um, while I'm there, I, I was just there looking for something to do. And I noticed, and, and uh, th- this was for business owners coming in and the people they had presenting in the seminar were awesome presenters and they had great content. And I'm sitting there going, wow, you know, yeah, this, this just proves that I don't need to be doing any of this stuff anymore because there's other people doing a great job. So then during the break, I start talking to people. And the next thing you know, there's 10 or 12 people standing around me on a break. And then they start asking, how can I follow up with you after this? Because you're sharing some perspective I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a few more events and I found, okay, there's a gap there to where I can add value. Yes, there's a lot of intellectual material out there, but I could give the perspective of the real world application, tie it together. And I thought, I really enjoy that. And I think, and the other part is, you know, if if I help an entrepreneur, there's that ripple effect of the impact they make on a life. So if I'm wanting to impact billions of people, one great way to do that is to help entrepreneurs. Because when you help one entrepreneur, you're helping a large number of other people if if they're the right kind of entrepreneur. So that's that's how I got involved in it. And so then I decided, okay, that's what I'm going to focus on and use that to generate the money to transform the nursing home industry. Wow. You know, so Randy, um, I I can see how better way has played out in your life in a positive way. Can you uh, have you noticed any um, how better way thinking about always finding a better way has had a negative? Has ha- have you had challenges that come with that particular why? Like wanting to change direction a lot, like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, this is one of these things where I don't know if I should say it or not. So that tells me I probably shouldn't, but then, you know, I normally say what's on my mind anyhow. Uh, yeah, my, my wife 
drives her nuts sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, is your brain always working? Why can't you just let it go? Why do you have to, you know, that's that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's created a little bit of, uh, from time to time. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's it, the better way has been a problem there. Uh, <laughs> you know, once in a while. And, uh, but you know, been together for like 33 years. So I guess, you know, <laughs> it still worked out. Yeah. So, so you, you got that piece. Uh, another place where it was a problem was on, uh, the, the last company that I owned, I had, uh, you know, the, the, the staff that's been around me for a while, they know how I am and how I think. Uh, and so they, to them, it's okay. But I had uh, a couple of administrative, uh, individuals that, you know, there's times like on the better way, I'm, I'm going down a path that looks like it's a better way. Right. But yep. then if I see that, if I pivot and make this adjustment, that's where you really hit the better way. And so I don't have a problem making that pivot. And um, so two of the employees would get together in a little huddle and says, I don't know why he just doesn't stay the course. It's like, he's going down this pace and all of a sudden he steps over here and he does this. He'd be better off to just stay that course and go down this direction, you know? Um, yeah. So I've had, had that as a little bit of a problem, but then when we educate, communicate, it's okay. And uh, I think there was one person that couldn't, accept that and we ultimately had to help them find another job yeah. <laughs> so you know when um when i think about the mentoring that you're doing for our group it's interesting to me because you have your little packet of goodies and you pull out your little packet and you can tell the issues that we're all dealing with because they're we all have similar issues and there goes randy reaching into his little plastic see-through case and pulling out a piece of paper and yeah. all of a sudden, we all have this little piece of paper, and you come up with these, uh, whether they're things that you've taken from other people or developed on your own, you've got all these different better ways of handling almost any issue that anybody's come up with. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, let me show you, you know, it seems like an insurmountable problem, and then we talk to you, and you go, okay, well, let me just show you this little thing here, and you seem to have a way to handle pretty much anything that's come our way so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I, you, you, you just reminded me on when you said that, going back to my son, Justin, that was talking about Better Way when I said yeah. uh, he because Justin was part of that group, the, the Strategic Millionaire Group, and there was a client in there. His first name was Terry. First name is Terry. And uh, Terry would say, you know, Randy, the content that you have for this workshop is awesome. But he said, the best thing for us is your throwaway comments. And I said, my what? He said, throw away comments. He said, like during breaks, somebody will say something. You're like, hey, we're having this problem here. And you go, oh, well, did you ever think about that, 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 that? And he says, and that's like a game changer. And he said, we get more out of that. And, and so, yeah, that's what, that's what Justin brought up. He said, you know, the throwaway comments. So I think that's what you're, you're picking up on there. It's like I pull together and go in that toolbox. And, you know, like I say, a few of the things maybe I'm the real creator of, most of it I'm a real borrower. You know, I'm borrowing from a lot of people. And if I know where I got it from, I want to give them credit. But one problem that I do have with this better way is that I'm picking up all this stuff and I kind of forget the source of it because it's never the same thing. It's like a combination of things. And I don't want to take credit for something that's not mine. And yet I don't know who to give credit to. Uh, you know, in reality, it might be five people that deserve credit for that one idea, you know. Yeah. But that's the stuff. Those are the little tweaks that we all seem to need to, to be able to move to the next level. I know I reach a stage and then I'm kind of, I feel like I'm stuck with something. Yeah. And then, you know, it's the, the, what have you noticed as the power of a mentor? 
what have I noticed as the power as far as like you know as a mentor or having a mentor uh, having a mentor and now being a mentor yeah uh, did you have mentors you know uh, mentor was not the buzzword that it is now and so I had some without realizing it like for example uh, uh, I, I mentioned Paul Brazee uh, Paul was the, the gentleman that was like a very wealthy person. He's deceased now, so I can I can say that. And, and uh, But I, I owe him a lot of shifting my thinking. There was another gentleman, uh, Morris Johnson. He's now now deceased. I used to call him an Arkansas pig farmer uh, because he owned up a, a hog farm in, in Arkansas. But he was really a, a, a very savvy business owner. And, and so he's the guy that taught me, uh, you know, he would say things like watch the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. And and how to build in a minimum margin on your retail products and stuff. So, so I've had mentors without it being an official mentor relationship. But then the other side is uh, once, once I started uh, in business, I, I would seek out like uh, I, I would invest heavily in, in knowledge. I, I can remember when I was, uh, yeah, I, I'm still in the process of trying to dig out from, I was still living in the Volkswagen and uh I was, but, but I had progressed where I was starting to get a little bit of money. And, uh, I went to a seminar that was by a, is, I think it was like how I failed by trying too hard or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's a guy that failed on business. Well, they had an audio cassette program and the audio cassette program was like $49 or something. And it's a back of room sales, what we call it now. And, I didn't have that $49. And so I tried to scrape up what little bit of money I could. And I asked this guy where he was going to be at in a couple of days. Like he's, he, he flew out to the Midwest was doing a little circuit and I was just out doing stuff like collecting bottle top, top. I was doing everything, get it to try to come up 49 bucks. And, and I bought it. And that was some great education. That was a, a form of mentorship through a book and through audios. Right. And, and, and that was really a, a really huge turning point for me. I could see that I started, that was probably even more impactful than some of the, the actual mentors that I had. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if we go back, not so much now, but if we go back like say 10 years ago and 20 years ago, um, I was, I was investing a hundred to $200,000 a year attending seminars and workshops and hiring coaches and stuff like that. So yeah. I give all of them the credit for helping me get where I, I want to go. And, uh, what do you see as the difference between what separates the, the good entrepreneur from the great entrepreneur? You know, the uh, faster results formula that I, I teach in the program. Yeah. We start out with clarity. And then once we have clarity, we develop a strategy and then once we develop strategy, we leverage. And then once we leverage, we focus. And then once we focus, we build momentum and then we repeat. Uh, that's the difference. You know, if, if I had to give you one word, I would say, uh, uh, focus that, you know, you, you hear me talk about one thing a lot and that's very difficult to distill it down to one thing. Um, but that, that's what separates it, It's, it's the focus and saying no to all the other things so they could do the best job at that main area that they're focused on. That, that's probably the biggest thing I see between the good and the great. Because if you look at, I would say I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And then I would say somebody like Richard Branson's great. 
And so if you look at, at the greatness of like the Richard Bransons and the, and you know, Warren Buffett's not really a businessman, but he is, uh, you know, and, and you start running down, or if you look, if you would look at Steve jobs or, you know, like what did Steve jobs say that he was just as proud of the things that they didn't do as what they did. Uh, if you look at uh, Jean Paul at, at Patron, you know, that it's, they focus on just a very narrow thing and they, and they stay that course. And then they say no to all these other excellent opportunities. You know, it's, it's easy to say no to a lousy opportunity, but as entrepreneurs, we really have great opportunities coming by us. So then how do you select that one? And so I, I think it's the, the, the focus and focus meaning saying no to a lot of distractionary stuff that we think is important. Yeah. How do you say no to all those other things? And what do you, so somebody's listening to this podcast and they're saying, man, I got all these opportunities. I'm going in so many directions. I'm working, you know, 80 hours a week. I'm, I'm everything to everybody. How do I focus? Yeah. Um, have them send you, if you want that, if you want it, uh, have them send you an email and then we'll get them something called an opportunity filter <laughs> where okay. they can kind of work down through it. Uh, but, but if they don't want to do that, what I, I think it comes back to, uh, you know, clarity again, uh, you know, that, that's why that was the, the first point of that, that uh, formula, because if you're really clear about what your life, you know, what's your life's purpose and what you're trying to do, you know, like right now, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be around 500 years from now to know whether this business, but, but the decisions I'm making right now, I'm making them with, with looking at the horizon of 500 years. So for, so one thing that we know for 500 years is there's going to be a lot of changes that we can't even anticipate. So then that means I have to build the core values of this business so it can be malleable to all the changes that's coming while we stay true to our core values and our, mm -hmm. and our purpose. So, so the first thing is, is knowing really what you want. I, I, I had a chance to do a, a television show and everybody thought I was crazy that I didn't jump all over doing this television program of, of the business stuff. But I said, look, one of my key values is time flexibility. I want to have a calendar that yes, I I'm, I'm productive and I'm effective, but if there's some, if there's an opportunity to do something with one of my kids or my parents or something, I, I want to be able to do it. I, I don't want to have a, you know, where Bill Gates likes to have his calendar all filled in. Well, if I'm going to do a television program uh, and you dig into that, you'll find out that you do not have time flexibility mm -hmm. and, and you're really going to be grinding it out all the time. So that was easy for me to say no. But if I didn't have the, if I didn't have the clarity of it, I'd have been caught up in the, all the other stuff that comes with it, the potential, you know, and, and the other part being a guy that wants to fly under radar <laughs> and, yeah. and kind of, you know, that, that that's going to put me. So that's another value system I have is flying under radar, being invisible, you know, and uh, so you have a television program. I mean, I haven't done a lot of podcasts, but I've been asked to do a lot of podcasts. Uh, you know, I, I have tremendous respect for you and I know what you're doing and the impact you're making on the planet. And, and I, and, and so it's, it was a no brainer uh, when you asked me, I'd, I'd love to do it here, but I, I, you know, I, I've turned down probably 20 to 30 of them in the past six months, probably of people ask me and just cause I like to fly under the radar and be invisible. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. And I, so I appreciate you being here today. I know, uh, well, that's because of, uh, you're, you're doing just such a great job for the planet. I mean, you're helping people really tap into what really, really matters because all this other stuff, when you talk about opportunities, they need to start with the why Yeah, that gives you great insights because you'll find that a lot of things you say yes to, if you understand your why, uh, it's easier to say no. 
right? I totally agree with you. You're speaking my language. And let me ask you one last question. I know we're kind of getting close to, to an hour here, but um, how important is it do you see uh, or do you feel for people to really discover themselves? Who, who am I? And really express themselves and be themselves and do it their way to create a successful business or a successful life. On a scale of zero to 10, 10,000. Yeah. Seriously. Because uh, I, I, I've spent a lot of time over the years trying to, with introspection and you know, I get up early in the morning with my journal and, and it's a, and what's beautiful about what you're doing is that it's, it's, it, it could take 10 years of, of really diligent introspection and you'll compress it down. And in just a matter of minutes, you'll have that, you yeah. know, I'm sitting here thinking, my goodness, if Gary would have had this and I would have known Gary 20 years ago, I'd probably be the richest guy in the world right now. You know, I mean, seriously, because that's what drives everything. Yeah. Uh, one of the little components I had in my other program, I called it North star experience. And that's where I, I would take people through different exercises to try to help them find out what's really going on inside their heart and, and they're, you know, what's really driving them from within, you know, what's, what's the stuff beyond all the stuff we talk about that really allows them to be happy, their essential self. And uh, man, that's, and that's where you're really, I mean, that, that, that's the true wealth right there is, is if you can discover that and then live your life. So you're in alignment with that most of the time. I, you know, I mean, I, one of the things you'll see me sign off on my journal, not every day, but almost every day, you know, like there might be five times a year that I don't do it. And that is, I love my life. And it's because I'm living in alignment with who I am and what my, why. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I get to go out and pull out ideas and stuff like this. And then I get to create concepts to look at a better way. And then I get to come and share it with people and see them live a better life because of that little bit of, I mean, can it get any better than that? Why would somebody want to ever retire from something like that? You just keep doing it. And then, and then when you work with a great group like, like you and, and, and these guys that's in the elite 30, then that gives you another challenge of finding a better way to help them to do what they're doing. And it goes up and I'm getting goosebumps right now. It's just, it's like <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. no, I mean, you, you really hold the magic sauce uh, with what you've discovered. And because you look for a better way, I mean, there's other people doing something kind of like what you're trying to do. And it's horrible. Uh, it's not a better way. And, yeah. and you'll, 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 you'll end up spending a lot of time and still walk away scratching your head saying, what's this mean to me? Um, yeah, you, you know, because you truly found a way to, to deliver it. And I'm not saying it because we're on here. It's just I'm speaking from my heart. So I hope everybody that listens to your podcast, they do your app, and then they follow through with the other training you have. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what, uh, I think that's, what's going to make the big difference for them. And, and I've noticed it's been fascinating, Randy, as I've done more and more of these podcasts and I see how people who just be themselves, right? Transformation isn't about me trying to be you, right? Transformation is about me discovering me yeah, and being me. Well, and then I take it a step farther, Gary, because I think your transformation is about discovering me to be me. And then when you know that you live in alignment, you've done more than transform. You've transcended, mm. you know? So, so you're really in, in, the, in the position you're helping people not only transform, but transcend to a higher level. Uh, and there's a, there's a sense of fulfillment and actualization out of that, that Maslow would have just scratched his head on in amazement you know, to see it. But, and you know, the guys uh, in the group, you, you've done the, this for them. Yeah. And these, you know, these guys are really high. I mean, people, when they come in, 
everybody's talking about the quality of individuals in terms of what they've accomplished, how they think, what they do. And these guys are blown away with the insights they gained from you sharing that with them. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we, we have, you know, elite seal guys and everybody, uh, just lots of people that, I mean, they're, they're astronaut quality people in this program and they're blown away with the, the uh, observations and the epiphanies they've had from discovering your why the way you're doing it. It's been awesome. It's been great working with them. And, and, um, is there anything, Randy, that I haven't asked you that you'd like to, uh, you wished I would have asked you? I know we didn't, huh? we didn't talk about, I know we didn't talk about any of the celebrities and famous people you've worked with. I know because you can't. Right. Um, but uh, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that I, that I should have asked you? I, you know, I don't think so. I, I think something I'll toss out is uh, because my, my other son asked me one day, uh, you know, and, and, that, and that's what's neat. I, I have a really awesome relationship with my kids and, and they, and I'm not saying it to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that it's possible to have a business and to do really awesome things and still have great connections with your, your kids to where they, they literally want to be around you. They understand you're your parent, but they also consider you their best friend and they seek you out for, you know, feedback and advice. My one son asked me, he said, Dad, he said, uh, you have many regrets, any regrets in life. And we were out just taking a walk in the country one day. I, my first comment was, no, I, I really don't, because I just feel like I've, uh, you know, I mean, have I made mistakes? Sure, but they've all helped me get to where I'm going. So it's a good thing. But then I thought of a, of a regret. And, and, and uh, my guess is that the people that's on your podcast are not in that group. But if they are. That's why I'm saying if there happens to be one or two, and that is the, the one regret that I have is that, um, I mean, you, you can see right now I'm, I'm overweight. Now that's temporary. I'm going the other direction. I'm, I'm taking actions on it right now and, and I'm doing it in a way that that will change. So I'm, you know, but that's the reality right now. Never used to be that way. And so while I was building this business, I was thin, somewhat athletic, and I was climbing mountains and running, uh, long distance endurance events and not training for any of this stuff because I just was in decent shape naturally, I guess. So I never thought anything about it. And that's the area that I neglected. I made certain I took care of relationships and family and all kinds of stuff and building business, but I truly didn't pay attention to my health. And that's the one regret that I had. If, if I had that to do over again, then I'd make certain that because it's, it's just as easy as everything else to, to include that and to do it, but it just, it wasn't even a, a point of awareness for me. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody listening, that's building a business, make certain that you, you know, especially if you're in like twenties and thirties, you're focused on all this stuff. And it's really awesome. And I think most people 20 and 30 today seems to have a consciousness towards that health. But uh, mm-hmm. that would be the, the one thing is I hope that, uh, you know, it's, you have more energy and everything else. So yeah. stay healthy, stay healthy and make it a priority. Yeah. I so since, since we're uh, on this podcast, why don't you real quickly tell everybody what your plan is for the, your health and what you're going to, your, about your hike. Oh yeah. Well, my, uh, my son doesn't know this yet, but uh, my, my son, Christopher, which he's an endurance runner, he r- runs Boston marathon and things. And there's an event called four deserts. And uh, you know, I have to have big, exciting things. If it's just something little, it's kind of like, you know, and uh, the four deserts. So what the deal is, uh, they, they uh, it's like running a marathon every day for six days. 
through a, a remote wilderness desert. And uh, it starts out in Africa. It used to be in the Sahara Desert, but now due to uh, the uh, turmoil over there, they moved it to the Nambia Desert. And uh, But anyhow, so, so we'll run one desert, uh, and it, it's a week-long event. So we go there, and we run it, and we have to carry a backpack with everything that we need on it, in addition to covering the mileage. And uh, so we'll do that in uh, Africa, and then we go to uh, the Gobi Desert in China, and then we'll go to uh, the desert in uh, Chile, and then the, the last one is in Antarctica. Uh, and so it's it's a week, and you have to be self-sufficient and provide, you know, you don't have any support like you do on marathons and such. And we're going to do that all in in one year, and it's called the Grand Slam. So that's in 2020. And so what I'm doing now is I'm uh, training for, you know, I – I don't know. Uh, I, I just, uh, you know, you see me little by little, so we don't quite notice it. But I was shocked when I got my report. I, I've, I've actually lost 32 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, for, oh, you know, so I already had started losing someone you and I first met, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right at that point. So, yeah, I've lost uh, lost that. And, you know, so I have more to go. But uh, I'm, tra- I'm training for four deserts. Check it out, fourdeserts.com. That sounds excruciating to me, but I'm glad you're going to go do it to talk about it so I can live vicariously through you. I'm going to find a better way to get that race done. <laughs> you're going to do it in six months. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to do it on my feet, not a gurney. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, they had some people die here a year or so ago. Not a lot, but you're dehydrated. Or something. Not, a lot of, not a lot of people, but a few died, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be that group. Well, Gary, thanks so much uh, for having me. And I, I really appreciate what, I mean, you really are changing the world with what you're doing. Thank and, you, man. Uh, it's helping people with happiness as well. So, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you being here and taking the time to, to be on my podcast. And, and I'll see you in Chicago in, in a month or so. Yeah, that's uh, 12th and 13th next month. I will see you there. Thanks, Looking Randy. Bye, Gary. Bye.